before Austin comes up for the children's sermon and Isaac proclaims God's word to us, let me read for us the sermon text of Psalm 41. But even as we come to listen to God's word, let's pray for God's help that we would understand what he says to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as fallen people, we would not hear you unless you gave us ears to hear you. We would not see the beauty of Christ in your word unless you gave us eyes to see. Father, the, the word that falls would fall on hard, hard ground unless you, by your spirit, till the soil and water us with your grace. Do those things now, Lord, as we listen to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 41. To the choir master, a psalm of David. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed, and his illness, in his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? When one comes to see me, he utters empty words, while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say, a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me, and raise me up, that I may repay him. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you can come on up and join Austin right over here. Can you say what that is? 
supposed to taste not like orange. It tastes yucky. Dead fish. Ooh. So these are a surprise, but a very nasty one. They look like they're going to taste really good, but they taste nasty. Now let's think about this. Those people saying nice things are kind of like a jelly bean on figs. They look good on the outside, but in their heart, they are nasty, right? Now, how about David? Let's contrast that word with him. Here's what the scripture says from today. This is verse 12. So David says to God, You have upheld me because of my integrity. Remember that word, integrity. And set me in your presence forever. And remember that word presence. If you have integrity, your words and your heart line up. They match one another. When the jelly bean looks tasty, it is tasty. They match. That's integrity. Integrity is wholeness. Undivided, wholehearted devotion to God. That's integrity. It's like a jelly bean that looks good and it is good. It tastes great. <laughs> yes. Here's an example taken also from Psalm 41. Is what God says. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. You see, God loves it when people think about the poor, the weak, the sick, and care for them. He delivers these kind of people from trouble. He protects them from enemies, and he sustains them on their sick. Now, David has integrity. So, you know, when he hears these words, what's he going to do? He's going to want to do that, right? He's going to want to be the one that helped the sick person. He's going to be the one that helped the weak person. When you hear those words, blessed is the one who considers the poor, doesn't it make you want to rush out and do that? To help people, to help the poor, to help the sick. God loves you and he saw that you are weak and unable to do what God loves and what he requires. So he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And to make it possible for you to know his presence. Remember that word presence? God has said it in our hearts to want to be in his presence. And when we are in his presence, we are changed. He gives us new hearts, new desires because of his presence. Now, do you want to be like David where you not only speak good words, but you want to do those good things you talked about. Do you want integrity? Do you want integrity? Yeah, it's a good thing. Do you believe that it is a blessing to help the poor and the weak? When God says it's a that blessed are those who consider the weak. Do you believe that? Great, let's believe it together. Thank you guys. You can have a seat. His life is the best life. He exists eternally uh, 
Father loving the Son, and the Son loving the Spirit, and the Spirit loving the Father. Uh, he is goodness, and all goodness flows from Him, so that He blesses us. He, he, he shows us kindness. He gives us good things. He makes our, our lives really count for something. He gives us good life. Uh, and, and therefore, we bless God, right? We, we say good, kind things about Him uh, because He deserves it, because He is the greatest. And there is uh, none who can compare with Him. And one of the things that makes God so blessed is that he loves the poor. He has a he cares for the poor. Uh, David knew this. It's very clear from the Torah, Deuteronomy 15:11. Just one example: There will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you: You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And because David had a heart like God's heart. He was a man after God's own heart. He also cared for the poor, and this made him a rallying point for those who were in distress. Uh, 1 Samuel 22, 2 says, Everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, David, and he became commander over them, and they were with him about 400 men. So he cared for the poor, and then God strengthened him with an army out of those who were in distress. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is that to, for those who share God's heart for the poor, He gives three things. He gives blessings, He gives a cross, and He gives a future hope. So first off, God gives a blessing to those who share His heart for the poor. Now look at the first four verses. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Most people run the calculations, and they say, if I give generously of my money or my time to the poor, then there will be less for me. It seems like a pretty simple calculation. If we lived in the type of world that the deists imagined, where it was just impersonal forces and the world was just running like a machine, that might be a reasonable calculation to make. But actually, the world that we do live in is one in which our God is intimately involved in every aspect. In God's world, more for you can also mean more for me. When Israel went into the promised land, one of the things they had to do was uh, recite the blessings of obedience and the curses for disobedience. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, and I'm not going to read that whole chapter because it's very long, but just one excerpt, excerpt of blessings. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. 
The Lord will command a blessing on you in your barns and in all you undertake. He will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So, there are a million different ways, probably more, in which God can show you kindness and can prosper you and can give you satisfaction in life. And there's a million ways in which he can thwart you if he chooses to. Uh, take a look at America, for instance. I mean, there's we're the wealthiest nation that exists and has ever existed by a long shot. Um, you would think that would make us the happiest and the healthiest, but we're not at all. Depression and chronic illness have been on, on the rise for the last 40 years. Um, we, we should never, you know, we seek, as Americans, we seek blessing from the gifts of God, but not from God himself. But we've got it backwards. We need to seek him first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Those things being uh, food, drink, clothing, necessities. God promises to bless those who are kind to the poor. Uh, consider George Mueller. If you've never read a biography about him, you definitely should. Uh, he had some peculiar convictions that I believe God gave him to make an example uh, to the church forever. Uh, he was a pastor who believed it was wrong to take money from his church, so he didn't accept um, a wage from them. Uh, and then he also was convicted that he needed to help orphans, but he felt that it was wrong to go and ask for money. So he was in an odd position, having hundreds of orphans and not believing in fundraising. I'm not saying that should be our conviction, but I got a special purpose in George Mueller. And uh, here's an ex excerpt from one, one of many descriptions of the things that God did for this man. Uh, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew you would need bread this morning. I got up and made three batches for you. I'll bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage, and the milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk, and George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. Just an example of God can bless us with a lot, can bless us with a little. So, you know, keep giving to God's mission, as I know you like to do. Keep considering the poor. Do not strategize about how to keep the most for yourself. Uh, but, you know, as Presbyterians, we like to think, think things through carefully. So do strategize about how to best use your money, where it's going to do the most good. Uh, you know, helping close by, helping trusted organizations. You know, you know people in your family, and when you can benefit them, uh, you tithe and you give to the church. And, and our deacons are good men who are aware of all the issues with the church and they can bless the needs among us. You know, there's the there's always the perennial debate about what you do about panhandlers and, and there's been a lot 
more of that in Cleveland? You know, do you give them cash or do you have food or water? Although this month, I'll say water would just be a good thing to have. We just need to have water ready to go. Um, or, you know, do you avoid eye contact? What do you do there? And um, one wise option that New Orleans Baptist Seminary students would do is you give to organizations that help the poor. So you, you see the poor, and that reminds you, I need to give some money to uh, the emergency shelter or the caring place. And then when you're giving this person water, you can say, hey, I give my money here, and these people can help you. And so they can do that good work for kind of keeping track of who's really in need and who's just trying to you know, get high or something. Um, ultimately, uh, you are free to give because you cannot outgive God. Okay, give to try and see. Um, this psalm reminds me of what Jesus said after the rich young ruler uh, went away sad because he was told he, had, he should give all his possessions to the poor. And uh, Peter thought it would be good for Jesus to notice the fact that they, in fact, had given up everything to follow him. So he mentions it to Jesus. Uh, I'm sure you would wanted a good pat on the back, and Jesus did not give it. Uh, instead, he said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. I mean, it's not like the rich young ruler was going to give away all he had and then get back home and it would be there, you know, hundredfold there again. But, uh, you know, we are, you know, some of us have lost relationships for following Christ. We've um, been cut off by people. And yet we, in this, we've, we've found a family of other people who love us uh, very well. And so God, God is more, way more generous than we could ever be, even now in this time. Uh, but that's not what—that's not the end of what Jesus said, because that kind of transitions us into the next point. You almost get whiplash here with the next thing he said. He said, "You will receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, uh, and in the age to come, eternal life." But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So uh, that's what we're looking to next. That uh, those who consider the poor are also given a cross. You see that verse five through nine. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him who will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Okay, this is one of the, the great paradoxes of the Christian life. And we really need to, just like we've got you know, the already and the not yet in our repertoire, we set it up on a shelf where we can refer to it often. I think this needs to be uh, more prominent, is the fact that God blesses us but he also gives us a cross. Those, those two things go together. Uh, there is genuine blessedness in the Christian life. God loves to look after us. I mean, it's, it's just insane. I, I don't know if we'll ever stop talking about you know, Ben Christman getting hit by a truck and then 
leaving the hospital the same day. It's just wild. He loves to take care of us. And yet, you know, Ben still has a cross to bear, right? His family still has a cross to bear, which, you know, recovery might be one of those and you know, kind of that. But he's, we've got both things going on at the same time. God loves to answer our prayers. We've, we've seen so many prayers answered and really need to do a better job of, of keeping track of all the people we've prayed for healing for and we've seen God answer those prayers. And yet, we still have crosses to bear. God gives us his law, which is a, a huge blessing. I think about the families of this church and how uh, our children have been blessed with you know, stable home lives for the most part. And, you know, that's just, just the fact that you're, you know, trying to honor him and how you live your life results in so many blessings. But we still have a cross to bear. To, to, to bear. Um, in this psalm, the cross is seen in three ways. Okay, first is self-denial, so giving to the poor. You're, you're genuinely going to miss out on something that you hope to find satisfaction from. Uh, the second aspect is uh, suffering as a Christian. So he talks about being on his sickbed. And what I mean by suffering as a Christian is when we go through suffering, like Romans 8 talks about, and instead of turning away to the things of this world for comfort, and you know, turning away to sin for comfort, that we turn to God and cry out, Abba, Father, instead. That's suffering as a Christian. And then the third aspect of the cross, which is obviously the major focus here, is persecution. Now, he's talking about people hating him and talking bad about him and hoping the worst for him. And I think that we have the sense in America that that's like, that's not real persecution. I mean, well, we're not going to jail yet, so it's not real persecution. I mean, most of the examples, yeah, there, well, there's lots of examples of this being listed as, you know, the type of suffering we go through as Christians. This is actual persecution when others hate you and revile you for Christ's name. And so um, it might not be being put in jail, but, you know, people are going to hate you. And this is the, the weird thing, though, that doesn't, doesn't quite make sense logically. But why would people persecute the one who considers the poor? That doesn't make sense at all. Uh, but this is, in fact, what happens. So, you know, praise be to God. You know, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and uh, the state of Tennessee now has permission to protect all its citizens. I don't know that we really needed that permission, but... Now we have the permission, and, and I'm very grateful. But when the, the memo first leaked from the Supreme Court that it might happen, like over that time period up until when I looked this up last week, there had been 20 crisis pregnancy centers that were either vandalized or set on fire by angry people. I can understand. I can completely understand why they might want to protest at churches and make a big scene and go, you know, these people are... Um, Opposing the thing I want. I can understand that. Uh, but it's just to, to attack genuine charities who, this is not like, you know, the directors of crisis pregnancy centers aren't driving Lamborghinis like, you know, Planned Parenthood directors. Uh, these are, you know, sweet women who do nothing but give to women in need. Like, 
what can we do to help you take care of this baby? That's all they do, all day long. It's not glorious work. They're just giving away diapers. And, and how can we help you learn how to be a good parent? They do that all day long. And what they get back for it is being set on fire. Their agency. Right? Um, and whatever else violence is happening right now. Um, that's, it's, it's very sick. Um, but just by living for God, just by living for God, your life exposes the life of the unbeliever as twisted and deserving of God's wrath, which of course we are deserving of God's wrath as well. Second uh, Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to, the, to death and to the other a fragrance from life to life. So it's, you might not you think, well, I don't really have much of a testimony, so I don't feel like people really notice me. But they do. If you're trying to honor Christ in the things you do, they notice you. And it's like you're this incense being swung around as you go through the world. And it's letting off this aroma of Christ. And some people smell it, and they smell light. There's, there's something amazing there. There's eternal life. There, there is a world to come. There's, there's more than just what we see around us. And others, they smell death. They smell sulfur. They smell doom. Now, you would think that the cross would cancel out the blessedness that we previously talked about. You'd think one would cancel out the other. But uh, it doesn't. I have two, two reasons why. First, God ministers blessing. Typically, he ministers blessing, blessing through physical means. He, he gives us good things and takes care of us. Um, but he can pour blessedness directly into our hearts. He can... Give us an experience of his goodness and his love he can satisfy us on nothing. There's Christians in prison right now on cold floors that are happier than you are in this room right now. And more satisfied with their lives at this moment. Because God doesn't need all the things he gives in order to bless us. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, uh, in the end, the adversity is part of the blessing. So James 5, 10 and 11 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. We don't read about Moses and think, oh, poor Moses, sure glad I wasn't him. What a pitiful life. You know, those Egyptian chariots racing at him, you know, with the Red Sea. That's so pitiful. What a terrible life. We don't read about the prophets and think like that. Sometimes we think like that about our own lives, unfortunately. Um, but when we go through that suffering, we get to see God's power, and we get to see his faithfulness, and we get the opportunity to be faithful and show that faithfulness and love to others. And ultimately, in the end, you get paid back for all of your suffering in the, in the world to come. So that's the last point here. Uh, God gives a future hope to those who share his heart for the poor. Verses 10 through 13, But you, O Lord, be gracious to me, and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemies will not shout in triumph over me. You have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. 
Amen. Amen. The greatest blessings are always ahead of us. First uh, Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, talking about uh, the resurrection. Uh, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised in spiritual body. Maybe, you're, maybe your mind is slipping and you think, man, I, I'm just, things aren't firing as quickly as they were when I was in the height of my career. It's a frightening thought to think, well, I'm never going to get that back. Or maybe you think about when you were young and you could exercise and you just, it was so easy to get stronger and stay healthy and now it's, you feel like you're starting to break down. But no matter the situation that you're in, your best days are always ahead of you. You're going to, you're, yes, you're going to go through decay and death, and then you're going to be raised up powerful and imperishable, infused with power from the Holy Spirit. And when we look forward to that day when there's no more sickness and no more enemies and no more pain, and more than that, we want the full experience of God's eternal sufficiency and goodness to really know his blessedness more than we do in this life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, the things that are unseen are eternal. Right now we sip from the straw of God's blessedness. In the world to come, we will dive in the ocean of His blessedness. We will be repaid according to our suffering. And the suffering now is a down payment. He doesn't, God does not lose track on any of it. You know, uh, in the world to come, we'll be like, man, I wish I could have suffered a little bit more. God sure has paid me back really well. This is awesome. Um, one last thing as I close that strikes me as odd is verse 11. It says, By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. I, I, a more circular statement I, I have not found. I mean, I would think, I want to know if God delights in me so I know if these people are going to triumph over me. Oh, I know they won't triumph over me because he delights in me. It's kind of confusing to me. And I'm not sure how David would have read it, how he would have understood it. But, you know, keeping in mind that the scriptures are fulfilled in Christ, and, you know, this, this passage is about Christ, is, you know, it, it says, it talks about, and it's applied to Judas, it talks about how if the one who shared his bread has raised his foot against him. And so, for, for this verse, we know that he delights in us because Christ's enemies did not ultimately shout in triumph over him. Christ was resurrected and defeated Satan, defeated his human enemies. And so, because of that, we have this confidence that God delights in us. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
We see Christ resurrected and we know that God delights in us. We see him victorious over his enemies and we know that ultimately our enemies will not be able to defeat us. And we're, going to, we're going to follow God in generosity and that genero his generosity is going to set us free to be generous. And, and his generosity will be experienced by us even when we suffer. And ultimately, he will show us the most generosity in the world to come. And that's why we call this good news. Do you believe that? Let's believe it together. Father, all happiness, all goodness flows from you. Help us to receive every good gift as if from your hand. Help us to look for ways to show kindness to others without fear that we will miss out. But knowing that you can pour out incredible joy into our hearts and can fulfill our needs in miraculous ways. Lord, help us not to fear being hated. Help us to pray for those who despise us and seek to show them kindness. Help us to stand for what is right no matter what, no matter the consequences. Holy Spirit, pour into our hearts a longing for the world to come. We look forward to a greater experience of you. Help us to run toward that great day. In Jesus' name, amen.